Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we begin our study of the first book of Kings, that is Melachim Aleph. We are studying chapter 14. We just completed the study of chapter 13. And we ended it with um, the discussion that Yeravam, that Jeroboam, Yeravam, did not uh, learn his lesson from the visit of the prophet of God, um, did not learn his lesson, did not change his ways, and set the people on the path of sin, which would ultimately lead to the destruction of Yeravam and Yeravam's family and his and his very short-lived monarchy, what was to become a very short-lived monarchy. But Asa, he had that time when he showed that he was unwilling to learn his lesson and change paths. Chola Aviyah ben Yeravam. Aviyah the son of Yeravam fell ill. Vayomer Yeravam leishto, and Yeravam said to his wife, "Kumi navi hishtani, get up and disguise yourself. Velo yedu ki at eshet Yeravam, so that when you go out and travel, people will not know that you are the queen, that you are the wife of the king Yeravam. Viholachta Shilo, and I want you to go to Shilo." Which is the uh, hometown? Because he sham Achiah Hanavi, Achiah Hashiloni, Achiah from Shiloh, the prophet lives there. Who diber Allah? He is the one who spoke about me and and prophesied regarding me. that I was going to be the king over this nation. So the prophet is still there. Go to the prophet. Of course, because our son is ill. The when Yeravam asks his wife to disguise herself. It reminds us of other episodes of people disguising themselves in order to get some kind of uh, good word, some kind of blessing from a prophet. The first example that comes to mind, of course, is how Yaakov, how Jacob, dressed up as his brother Esau so that Yitzchak, so that Isaac, would not recognize him and he would get the blessings. The difference between there and here, of course, is, is that According to the biblical narrative, Jacob actually was dressing up in order to abstain something that he deserved himself. So he tricked Yitzchak in order to get something that he deserved. Whereas over here, Yerav Am thinks he can have his wife dress up and get some kind of, um, of message, some kind of prophecy, some kind of prayer for his son. Because he knows that if, if, if it's known that he or his wife uh, are representing themselves in front of the prophet, they're going to get criticized. And the other episode that this brings up is a very a similar episode where King Saul dressed up in order to uh, visit the necromancer, in order to revive Shmuel, to revive Samuel, in order to get Shmuel's blessing to win in his battle, which ultimately became the final battle of Saul's life. The... Um, uh, when, when we studied in the book of Shmuel the life and monarchy of King Saul, of Shaul HaMelech, we pointed out that Shaul was, had a consistent mistake that he consistently made, one which did not continue with, his, uh, with the one who succeeded him, David, King David. And that was that Sha, uh, Sha, Shaul kept on making the mistake of thinking that with a ritual or a sacrifice that he can somehow... Uh, you know, affect God's behavior towards him, affect God's judgment towards him by doing something, by, for example, bringing the Aron, bringing the Ark, 
or saying a prayer or bringing sacrifices. And Shmuel kept on emphasizing to Shaul that it's your behavior that you need to change. Here, this is your Avam's key mistake again. By thinking that by dressing yourself up, you can somehow get a blessing, which is somehow going to make things better, means that you think that the blessing is some sort of a magical potion that you get from the, from the prophet, and then poof, things are better. And if we can sneak and get it, that would be even better. The point, though, that your Avam missed is, is that his behavior needs to change. How he acts needs to change. And that is the key message that is consistent throughout Tanakh. The key message that was consistent throughout all of the prophets is, is that God doesn't react to magical, uh, magical potions or incantations or blessings. Rather, God reacts to your behavior. If you improve, if you be a better person, if you repent for your ways, if you stop the evil that you're doing, then you will get the benefit of God's favor. So, here, Yeravam is making that key mistake, and we see him making the key mistake that Shaul made as well. And just as Shaul's kingdom did not last, so too Yeravam will not last, as we shall see. In verse 3 now, I want you to take gifts to the prophet. Take ten loaves of bread, and some, some kind of cracker, or a cookie, and a bottle full of honey. And come to him, he will tell you what will happen to the child. And what, what the, this is a reference, it's a way of saying he will give you a blessing that the child will be better. In other words, if you bring him these gifts and you pretend that you're just an ordinary woman asking for her, Ill, her son who is ill, then he'll give you uh, the, the blessings and prayers that are needed for the child to get better. So the wife of Yeravam did as she was requested, Vatelach Shiloh. And she went and traveled to Shiloh. She came to the house of Achiyah. Achiyah was unable to see. Because his eyes had stopped working because of his age. Again, this reminds us of the story of Yitzchak of Isaac, who was unable to see. The, um, it's interesting here that we don't hear anything, any word from Yeravam's wife. We find out what she did. But we will not hear at all what her thoughts were, what her feelings were, what she said. Did she say anything? Did she do anything? Um, something to think about when we think about this chapter. However, although Achiyahu was blind in his eyes, he was not blind in his heart and in his soul. And he understood um, in his wisdom what was going on. And how did he understand? Because Achiyahu was faithful to God. So, and Achiyahu's uh, prophetic abilities and his ability to understand God's ways, God communicated to him, the wife of Yeravam is coming to, to um, ask of something from you. This, this is just uh, and demonstrates that when it said before, find out what will be, it wasn't just meaning find out what will be, but it's just a way of saying, ask him for a prayer. She wants something from you regarding her son, because he is ill. And you, this, and you should answer such and such. This and this and this. This should be the answer that you give her. And it was when she did arrive, as God had told Achia the prophet, and she... But, and, and, and it will be that when she comes, I'm sorry, these are still the words of God, to Achia, she will be disguised. When Achia heard at Kolrag, Leha, 
the sound of her footsteps, Pesach, coming through the doorway. Come, wife of Yeravam. Why are you trying to disguise yourself? I have a very bad message for you. So don't even bother asking. Because before you even open your mouth, I already have your answer. And it's an answer that you're not going to like. Verse 7, Go and say to Yeravam, your husband, So says, this is the message that God the Lord of Israel has for you. Because I have raised you from the nation. And I made you a ruler over my nation Israel. Remember, I made that. I... I, I gave you this kingdom. And then you go and you use that against me. Lots of people in Israel and in, on, in the entire world that day were sinners and, and, and worshipers of idols, etc. But you have a special responsibility because I made you the leader. You were supposed to lead the people back to God. You were the defender of the common folk against the tyranny of your Rechavam. And you could have taken that. You could have made a just and kind nation and worshipped God. And eventually... Um, you know, bring the people back. There would have been two kingdoms, each worshiping the same God and eventually bringing them back together to me. But instead, what did you do? You acted terribly. Therefore, and also, what did I do? I tore the kingdom away. I tore most of the people of Israel. I tore them away from the house of David. The ten tribes, the vast majority of the people left the, the kingdom, which was the house of David, my beloved David. What Nalach? And I gave that and I gave those to you. But in, what did you do? You didn't act like my servant David did. That he kept my mitzvot. The key thing here is, what did David do? Asher Shomar, he kept mitzvotai, my commandments. He went, he acted, he lived uh, uh, after in my ways. With all of his heart. To do, to act. Only that which was righteous in my eyes, that which was straight in my eyes. And God emphasizes repeatedly, it was action that I desired from David, and it was action that David gave me. David did, he lived, he acted in the way. His heart was faithful to me, and therefore he lived in the way I wanted him to live. But Torah, but what did you do? You did, you did evil. The issue here is not what you think, what you believe, how you trick, how you act. I mean, I'm sorry. When I say it, act the second time, I meant act in a devious way, how you cover up who you really are, right? You did so bad. You did worse than everyone that came before you. But you pulled the people away from God. But you didn't even allow them to travel to Jerusalem to worship God. Instead, you went and you made a whole new religion. You made uh, uh, foreign gods, and foreign images uh, that were metal, molten images, in order to make me angry. That was the end result. And you threw me behind your back. This image that God says, this is what you did to me. Therefore, I am going to bring evil, bad, terrible disaster upon the house of your Jeroboam, of your Avam, your Avam Ashtin Vakir. I am going, the, the, the sound of anger, the sound of this vehement 
incredibly uh, strong and powerful anger and disgust is going to be reflected in this verse tremendously. I am going to cut off for Yeravam everyone. Mashtin Bakir means every male in a very crude way. Mashtin Bakir means those who urinate against the walls, a reference to males. I'm going to kill them all. But not just saying every man, but saying it in a way that it's just very crude and 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 um, just disgusted with you, Atzur Israel. I am going to cut off everyone who is Atzur and Azuv among the people of Israel. What does that mean? Atzur is generally means those who are bound to others, meaning um, servants. The Azuv and those that are abandoned to themselves, meaning they're free men. But it's a kind of a um, a language that's a uh, 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 it's a very strong language. It's not a very elegant or eloquent way of saying. This it's just a way of saying everybody, every single one, whether you're a master or a slave, you're gone. I am going to to get rid of and 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 clear out uh, or sweep out every one from the house of Jeroboam. Just as one sweeps a dung and 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 a fecal matter away until he's gone and completely gone. It's the 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 language of disgust is so powerful. Hamet liyiravamba ir those for Yiravam's family that die in the city yochluak lavim will be eaten by the stray dogs. Vahames pasodeh and those that die in the fields yochluof hashemayim will be eaten by the vultures of the sky ki adonai bear because it is God who has spoken this. Viat and you so now Achia addresses. The Yeravam's uh, wife, Kumi go home. The moment you arrive at home in town, your child shall die. The child will die. However, I will tell you that your son, this son, Avia, will die, and everyone will eulogize him. Not like I described, the other descendants are going to have the terrible, terrible end that was just described, but he will die an honorable death. The people will eulogize him, and they will bury him in an honorable burial. Because he alone, this Avia alone, he's the only one of Yeravam's descendants that will be buried in a normal grave. Because there's something good about him. Exactly what that is isn't specified in the rabbinic tradition. It is said that he... Um, he allowed people to go to Jerusalem to travel despite his father's orders. But uh, regardless, it's not specified in the verse. But there's something good about him. He deserved at least uh, uh, an honorable death. Regarding God, the Lord of Israel, in the house of Yeravam. So even though he lived in the house of Yeravam, he still, there was something good about this young man that he deserved at least that kind of respect, unlike the other descendants who are going to be li- literally disposed of in the horrific way that was described before. <coughs> and God will raise another king over the people of Israel, <laughs> that they will destroy the house of Yeravam today. <laughs> and this will happen even now. In other words, it's going to happen soon. And God will strike the people of Israel in the same way a rush of water pushes reeds over. God is going to push the people over. And God will eventually, and this is clearly a reference to it, the eventual end, the people of Israel will be taken off 
taken away from this beautiful land, this good land, that God has given to their forefathers, and God will scatter the people around beyond the, the river um, Euphrates, because they made these idols, these Asherah, which is some kind of a, uh, which is a, a, a idol uh, uh, represented by trees that were that angered God. And he will give away the people of Israel because of the terrible sins of Yeravam that has he has sinned and that he has brought the people of Israel to sin. That ends this this very powerfully strong and 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 uh, angry message. So uh, the wife of Yeravam got up and she went and she arrived in the city of Tirzah. As soon as she stepped across the uh, threshold of the house, and the boy died. And they buried him by Israel and the people of Israel uh, uh, eulogized him. As the word of God, which he had spoken, to his servant Achiyahu, the prophet. And then, in an interesting manner, the verse, because Yeravam, the only thing that the book of Kings is interested in, it's interested in the history, but only the history that's necessary to relate the story. And the basic story is if you're faithful to God and you live right, you'll be all right. And if you're not, you won't. That's the bottom line. Right, I'm, it's very oversimplified, obviously. So we have to read together and study together in order to get the message. But all the other details about Yeravam's wars and battles and whatever else he did with his kingdom, whatever accomplishments and achievements or lack thereof he had, everything else that happened with Yeravam Asher Nilcham, those wars that he fought, Asher Malach, and that he was the king. In other words, those other kingly things that he achieved. They're all written down in the history book, uh, in the a book of uh, Chronicles uh, that re- recites and tells you the stories that happened during the days of the kings of Israel. Kings of Israel as opposed to the kings of Judah. And how long did Yeravam, how long was he king? For 22 years. He passed on and laid with his fathers. And Nadav, his son, became king after him. This ends the life and career, the very tragic and terrible life and career of Yeravam, who set the people off on a terrible, terrible path of destruction, um, which we are going to be reading about throughout this book of Kings. Now his son Nadav is king. And the next half of the chapter, which we'll study in the next podcast, the Navi uh, focuses on, on Rechavam, goes to the south. And in a pattern that we're going to find, now that there's two kingdoms throughout the book of Kings, it flips back and forth from the kings of Israel to the kings of Judah, to the kings of Israel, to the kings of Judah. We're going to be flipping back and forth. Thank you so much for studying chapter 14. Part A together with me. Looking forward to studying the rest of this chapter, the rest of this book together. Thank you so much and have a wonderful day.